How fun, huh? Wow. Wow. Woo! Wow. Coming in the same way I left. I cried that day too. Wow, what a, what a blessing this is. What a blessing after uh, almost four years. And um, I got to tell you, I don't do this very much anymore, all right? So I thought this was good to have people that have a lot of grace and a lot of uh, forgiveness. We were, Annette and I were in church a, a few weeks ago, and, and they had a retired pastor that filled in for our pastor over the summer. And he got in the middle of his message, and he, and he, he lost where he was at. He didn't know, didn't know where to go, and he looked down at his wife, and he said, where am I? <laughs> and then said, don't you do that to me. So, so I'm on my own today. Man, it's good to be with you guys. I just can't tell you what a joy it is, and just to see so many of you here, and um, excited to share the word with you today, but uh, just want to give you a little uh, heads up of what, what's been going on in our life the last several years. Um, we... You know, many of you know we moved back to Indiana, to Noblesville, Indiana, and three of our four kids uh, live just within a few moments from us. In fact, Anna lives about two blocks this way, Allie lives about three blocks that way, and Abby's about five minutes away with their, uh, our ten grandkids. Um, so we had them all, and many of you know Stuart. He was here just a few weeks ago, Stuart and Amanda, but here... Here's in our backyard, and this is, uh, this is our gang right now. Stuart and Amanda were there, uh, home from Scotland. And so <laughs> it is quite a crew. I mean, our grandkids can ride their tricycles over to our house. Uh, the next picture just shows, shows us with a, a big part of our life right now. These are our grandkids, and we've got one on the way, by the way. Uh, so when the spigot opens, it opens up big time. What do, what do I do with my time now? Well, I usually spend it right here at this, uh, this dock. And uh, I, built, I built myself an Adirondack chair, and usually I have two or three of the grandkids around, and we fish off there, and we never get skunked. We always catch fish. And uh, anyway, so they, we enjoy that time together. Uh, honestly, though, uh, being in this stage of life, I've had the margin to disciple a number of men and, um, and be able to coach some churches in the area of discipleship. So it's not all just, just rest and relaxation. But I got to tell you this, Annette has enjoyed camping. She, she always wanted to be able to go out camping. We bought a little trailer. And I have to tell you, every time we go camping and we get in that trailer, I think of you guys. And the reason why is, I got a little background, several years before I left, I came back from a pastor's conference, and this one pastor was sitting in our group, and he was talking about the church, and he had been there 30 years, and he was just saying, you know, and the guys around our group were saying, well, what did they do, you know, when you came to the end? He said, they gave me a toaster. (laughs) And the guys were just moved, and I came back, I told my elders this story. So fast forward two or three years later, when I left, you may not have known this, but your elders gave me a toaster. <laughs> and it wasn't just any toaster. I have it on the, the trailer that we go. So here's my toaster. And it, 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 it prints Jesus on the toast. And you can't see the backside, but the backside has all the elders who signed it. And so when we have our toast in the morning in the trailer, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. 
and, uh, and grateful for, for the time that we got to spend together. And, and by the way, the elders were very good to us. The church was very good to us, and God has, God has been so gracious. And so it is excited to be with you. We're, we are going to get in the Word today, and if you did bring your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis uh, probably read a section out of chapter 18 here in just a moment. I haven't said this in a while. Take out your notes. And we're going to, uh, going to be launching into this. You can see from the theme today, we are, uh, oh, they, you still give the Bibles out. That's great. Raise up your hand if you need a Bible today. That, that's awesome. Um, our theme is faith. And if you do see the top of your notes, I just, I just thought, you know, as a pastor who spent so many years with a particular flock of, uh, of folks, probably the one thing that I would hope uh, is that your faith would continue to grow. One thing I understand about the Lord is in his economy of things, your faith is so high on his priority. In fact, this scripture from Peter that's at the top of your note says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that after the tested genuineness of your faith, and then this passage right here, more precious than gold, though it perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for all of us, but, but as uh, your former pastor, I'm just hoping that your faith has continued to grow. It's more precious than gold to God. And I, uh, I, I hope, anyway, that you continue to move in that path. Face your trials, face your tests, face the difficulties that you go through uh, with the faith that God has given. And so, Lord willing, today might be able to bring a word of encouragement and some example, both testimonial and also from the word that might encourage you in that. So can we have a prayer to start with and we'll dive into it today. Lord, uh, we just pause once again before you, thanking you for your spirit that you give to us. You said that uh, when the spirit comes, he will remind us of all the things that you've said. And today, as we, as we just reflect on your word, we pray that not only will we be hearers of that word, but that we will be doers and put it into practice. So that's my prayer for today, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, I have to say... You, you would think that a guy that has 500 messages in his files back home, all I got to do is pull one of those out, right? But to be honest with you, this message came together just a few weeks ago. And I knew uh, probably as soon as that happened that this, this is what God wanted me to share with you today. So this is fresh, all right? <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, but it is, I believe. Um, I've been studying Genesis this summer. And I've been digging deeper probably than I ever have before. And just connecting the dots of the story of, God, of the beginnings, which what Genesis means. And I've got into the life of Abraham these last several weeks. And, and the, whole, the whole journey that, that spans decades. You know, you have it just concentrated in a few chapters, right? But the whole journey, if you start seeing God's activity in his life, it is just so powerful. And... And today, I want to kind of lift out one of the moments in the life of faith. And most of you, I believe, would know Abraham and know that he's the father of our faith. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, just a quick overview. 
uh, he was called from his home in Ur of the Chaldees, probably somewhere in the area of Baghdad, Iraq, Babylon, in that area. That's kind of that region. He and his family were called out of there, and they left, and they got part of the way to Haran, and they stopped there. The Bible says that Abraham was 75 years old when he was in Haran, and that's when the call of God came to his life. And he said something to the effect, I'm going to take you to a land that you've never been. I'm going to show it to you, and I'm going to build a nation out of you, a great people that are going to be blessed. You're going to be a blessing to all the world. That was his promise to Abraham. And so he took off, and he went to the land of Canaan, And when he got there, God says, this is it. He says, I want you to look around. And once again, he says, I'm going to build a great nation out of you. There are going to be so many people. And Abraham, you know, is trusting God. At that point, he didn't have any kids. And he knew his wife had been childless up to that point. I thought this testimony today was God ordained from Carla, the miracle of God, um, in light of what we're going to be studying today. And so he continues on. Uh, they, they start living in this new land. A famine comes. It gets very desperate. He moves to Egypt, goes through a little episode there. They finally throw him out, but he comes out with a lot of stuff. And he and his nephew Lot now are back in the land of Canaan. Uh, they've got a lot of cattle, a lot of, lot of uh, wealth. Um, they decide you know what, we're having conflict. You go your way, I'll go my way. You pick Lot wherever you want to go. And he lands kind of in the shadow of Sodom, which was, even then, it was a wicked place. That's where Lot goes down to in the Jordan Valley. Abraham gets the leftovers. And now he's, he's kind of up in the plains, and God continues to bless him. Um, he, he has an episode where he recovers Lot from uh, captivity, comes back, again, with a lot of stuff, a lot of possessions, has another encounter with God. And each time God is saying, I'm going to build a nation out of you. I'm going to have so many people that you can't even count them. It's going to be like the dust in the ground or the stars in the the sky. And finally, in chapter 15, uh, God says, I'm your shield and I am your great reward. And now, finally, Abraham says to the Lord what he'd been probably thinking all this time. He says, God, you keep saying this. This is probably the third or fourth time, and yet I don't have any kids. He says, as far as I know, this servant of mine is going to be my heir. And God tells him, no. He says, you're going to have a son of your own. And, and, And Abraham believed him. And it said that That was what was counted to him as righteousness. And friends, I don't know if you can appreciate how foundational that is to our life in in relationship to the Lord, but righteousness, what we call righteousness, is believing God for a promise that he has given you. You know? And he believed him. But he still didn't have any kids. And like so many of us, what we do when we believe God wants to do something but it's taken a little longer than we like, what do we do? We take matters into our own hands. Now, to Abraham's credit, it was Sarah's idea for him to go and be with his servant, Hagar. She says, this isn't going to happen. I'm not, it's not going to happen. Go ahead and get with my servant, Hagar. And he does. 
and he gives birth, they give birth to a, a boy, and they name him Ishmael. Now, most of you know all this. He's 86 years old now. So this was uh, 11 years after the initial call. And Ishmael is born. And in case you don't know it, there's all kinds of problems that result from that that are still happening today. That conflict is still happening today as a result of Abraham kind of taking his own course. Okay? 13 years go by. He's 99 years old now, and that's where I wanted to take you to. Okay? He, he hears from the Lord once again, and it goes something like this. They're living out, you know, probably down in Beersheba area. Uh, they've got their tents, their sojourners, you know, and he gets a visit from uh, the Lord himself. Now, it says it was the Lord, and I believe there were two angels with him. And that's where I wanted to pick up with you today. Chapter 18, verse, uh, verse 1, here's where it says, The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, this is why we know this was, this was probably a, a pre-incarnate visit of Christ himself. It was a tangible expression of the Lord. And he says, if I found favor in your sight, don't pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree while I bring morsels of bread that you might refresh yourselves. And after that, then you may pass on. Well, he has this encounter, and in verse 9, they say something to him that, that I know. Now, for Abraham, as we're going to learn, this is kind of an affirmation, but they said it out loud. Where is Sarah, your wife? He says, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, and the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Isn't that a kind way of putting that? She was old. And she was, she was not only barren to begin with, but now she's so old that it wasn't even feasible, okay, is essentially what he's, he's saying here. And Sarah was listening, and, and he said, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Question mark. <laughs> and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And he goes and confronts Sarah. And Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Now, I don't know if it was an audible laugh. I, I have a feeling it was under her breath to where this, this encounter with the Lord that, that she wouldn't have known that he could even hear. I think she was afraid, obviously, it says so. But that's what brought me to essentially what I titled today's message from yeah faith to yay faith. 
I saw this and I began to see the contrast between Sarah's response to the promise of God and Abraham's response to the promise of God. When I lived that for a moment, I, I thought, you know, Sarah, what does she do? She laughs. And I can just hear, can't you just hear her laughing, looking at herself? She's 90 years old, white hair, well beyond childbearing years, and she's laughing. And I can hear in our vernacular probably saying, yeah, right. This ain't going to happen. Yeah, right. And so I call that yeah faith. It's a faith um, that is a faith of unbelief. I believe her laughter was a cynical laughter. It was a laughter that said, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. She looked at the circumstances, she waited out, and any rational person says, this just isn't going to happen. You hear testimonies like we heard earlier today. And even the medical profession say, well, this is, this is what's going to happen unless God does some kind of a miracle or whatever. Well, Sarah didn't believe that at the, at the time. But something happened to Sarah as we're going to discover, that transitioned her from the yeah faith to what I'm going to call yay faith. Okay? Now, back up with me one chapter, all right? If you're looking at your Bible, back up one chapter, and now I want you to see Abraham exhibits a yay faith. Because before this encounter, and I don't know what the time proximity was, but right before this encounter, Abraham, again, God spoke to him, for the, what, fourth or fifth time? It was after his whole covenant with him and about circumcision and his identity with God. And as soon as he said that, down in the latter part of, uh, of chapter 17, he basically saying, you know, I'm going to build a nation out of you, Abraham. And he, and he says, it's going to be your own son. He says, says but, this, but then he adds that piece. He says, it's going to be Sarah, your wife, that is going to have this child. And Abraham says, Lord, you know, it's kind of like he's thinking ahead and he says, that's, that's not going to happen. But he says, why don't you have it be with my son Ishmael? And he says, no, this is going to be Sarah's child. And he's going to be the child of promise. And I, here's a little interesting piece because in verse 16 he says, I will bless her and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Now watch, Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah who is 90 years old bear a child? Now, friend, I happen to believe that that was not a cynical laughter. That was not a laughter of unbelief. In fact, this was a celebrative laughter. This was a, a laughter of joy. This was a laughter of reverence for God because he fell on his face, you notice. He, he respected, he honored God. And it was a different kind of laughter. And I call that a yay, God, a yay kind of faith. And the question we, we kind of look to today is, how do you get from yeah faith to yay faith? How did Sarah get from yeah, right, God, to thank the Lord, praise the Lord, this is what God is going to do, and I'm going to believe him for that. And so... Uh, I think there are three, three ingredients here, okay? If you look on the back of your notes, 
three things that I just wanted to, to kind of leave with you, deposit with you, and, and maybe testify just a little bit about what this looks like. I mean, for us today, for me, uh, what, how this has worked even in my own life, in my own heart. But three things that I think that we, uh, we would do to make that transition from yeah to yay. And the first thing is, remember what God can do. Remember what God can do. Now, if we left the story where we just left it, with Sarah saying, yeah, right, God, this isn't going to happen, she would be anything but an example to follow, right? I mean, to be forever recorded at that stage, and yet, thankfully, friends, we've got the New Testament. We have got the book of Hebrews, and we have got the book of Romans that are going to illuminate for us this very account and this very life and, and how that happened. And uh, I get pretty excited about that. You know, most of you know Hebrews 11, we call it kind of the hall of fame of faith. And, and when it goes through the list of the Noahs and the Gideons and all these great heroes of the faith, the last person you might expect to find that is Sarah, right? And yet she is in there. In fact, I think I, I put it uh, in, your, in your note where, uh, where she, she actually did believe in God. I'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. But if you remember what God can do, Romans records for us. He says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. That's what Abraham believed God for. And in verse 14, that's what he reminded Sarah. And I believe, follow me now, in that moment where she says, yeah, right, this isn't going to happen, what is the one thing that God Almighty said to her? He said, is there anything too hard for God? I don't know what you're faced with today. I don't know what challenges are on your plate today. Not only are you either probably coming out of something, but you most likely will be headed to something. And when you get to that test, when you get to that trial, one of the first things I want to encourage you, remember what God can do. And nothing is impossible for our God. Amen? Luke, uh, Luke records one of my favorite verses, in verse eight, or chapter 18. He says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. I know I shared this with you. I know there's new folks that are here that I was not your pastor. Uh, you, you wouldn't know, but I shared this story years ago because it was so powerful. When I pastored just up the road in Bellingham from 1985 to 1993, uh, some Bellingham folks here, um, we were starting a new service next door to Boys Club. And my office there at the Cornwall Church was just right by the front door. So there was nothing between me and the front door. I had my door open. It was a warm day. All of a sudden, a young man that I did not recognize came into my office. He had a business card with him, and it had that scripture printed on the back of it. It was a plumber's business card, but it had, you know, what is impossible for man is possible with God on the back. And he plowed it right on my desk, and he says, is that true? <laughs> and I thought, oh, boy. I said, absolutely. I said, it's God's word. And you could tell he'd been crying. 
and he had just come from St. John's Hospital with he and his wife Shelly, and she was uh, just days or weeks away from, from delivering in their pregnancy, and she'd been told that their child was not alive. And he'd been weeping. And they said, they're not getting a heartbeat. And, uh, and he said, is that true? <laughs> that changes everything, doesn't it? Do you really believe that? And so I said, absolutely. I prayed with him. And I said, I, I said come Sunday to the service, and some of our elders will come around you and lay hands on you, and we'll pray for Shelley. And can I be real honest with you? I was afraid that he'd actually show up. Hadn't been to church before, but I got up to preach, and here in the front row, he and his wife Shelly were there. And so we brought our elders, we prayed for him, and I don't know how many days it was, but uh, she gave birth to a healthy baby boy. And, and many years later, I was pastoring here, and Bob invited me to go preach at the Cornwall Church. And after I got down from preaching, a young man, probably 18, 19 years old, came up to me, and he says, I'm Jeremy. He says, I'm the son that you prayed for. And he introduced himself to me. And uh, would you ever forget that? God is faithful. Can you remember what God can do? That's the first thing. The second thing is, Rely on God's promises. There are over 7,000 promises in the Scripture. And they're all put there for a purpose. All of them have a meaning. And all you have to do, it's like a minefield, just find the promise for the situation that you find yourself in. Here's what Romans says uh, about Abraham. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. And he, that, uh, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Okay, he just believed that. Even though it wasn't happening, even though it took longer than he thought, he believed in the promise of God. Now remember I told you that Sarah's actually recorded in Hebrews, this hall of fame of faith? Well, here's what happens. If you look at verse 11, chapter 11 of Hebrews, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful, who had done what? What's it say? Promised. He promised her this, and she believed it. And friends, that's what the basis of our faith is. You are counted righteous on the basis of believing in the promise of God. But friends, you can't believe in a promise that you don't know is there, right? Or that you never hear. The only way that this is going to happen is if you spend time in his word and are gleaning the promises and hearing the promises as they come to you. There is something special when God specifically takes his word and fashions it right to your situation. But if you're not in there, it's never going to happen. It's just going to lay there. It's like a gift that's unopened. And as I go back over uh, my journey, um, again, just a testimony. You know, being the years that we were here, many of you... I know, know this, but for those of you particularly that are newer to North Shore, and like Scott said, you know, it's, it's on this basis that we build our faith. But when I came uh, close to 20 years ago, it was actually it was 20 years ago this month that I walked around and, uh, and God began to stir and things led to our coming here, I remember 
talking to elders because I was part of a church out in Florida and we had built a building and we relocated and I knew the financial picture and all that and I had kind of an image. My, I said, so, so what's the amount of your debt? And they kept, they kept saying, well, we don't really know that yet. We don't really know what that is. And it was two weeks before I committed to come that finally the number was shared. It was $15 million. And that kind of took me back and made me reconsider just a little bit. And yet I knew God was leading. We came. We began to just seek what God wanted to do. And it was probably about six months that I finally stood in front of you as a congregation and shared that number. I could remember, if you listen to the tape, there was an audible gasp. And we thought, what are we going to do? And it was right about that time that I was just spending time with the Lord. And I was in Isaiah 45, verse 4. And he literally said, because I kind of felt like it was going to be a mountain that needed to be moved. That was just kind of a sense that I had. This was, this was something that was so insurmountable, so big. It, was like a, it felt like a mountain. And in Isaiah 45, the promise goes like this. I will level the mountain. And I'm reading this one day. And it just jumps off the page. But then he says, I will show you the treasures that are in the secret places so that you will know that I am God. Now, would that get your attention in that situation? I'm just giving you an example of what it looks like to cling to a promise. And I cling to that promise. And some of you were here through our Moving Mountains campaign. It was a debt retirement effort to kind of bring that down. We'd not really ever done anything like that. But God raised so many of you that are even here today to be faithful and sacrificial and uh, in fact, I was had dinner with Dan last night, our, our uh, business manager, and he said, said that that's uh, below $5 million now. And, you know, and much healthier, much more, um, you know, doable. But God showed up, and I just have never, never forgotten that. You know what, <laughs> you know what promise I'm clinging to today? It's actually one chapter later. It's in Isaiah 46, and it says, I will be with you in your, when you're old and gray. I will carry you on my shoulders. Some, some of you may remember, I went to, for my 60th birthday, my kids and I, we all went down to Disney World, and I had my little two-year-old grandson, Everett, who's the redhead, and I used to have bright red hair, by the way, and Everett was on my shoulders with a castle in the background, and one of my girls took a picture of him on my shoulders, and, and that scripture says, I will carry you on my shoulders. And I have that picture over my desk right now with that passage from Isaiah 46 underneath. That one will probably take me to the finish line, all right? What promise can you rely upon? What's out there for you? Last thing he says is to expect with hope, expect with excitement, rejoice with this expectation of what God is going to do. Listen to what Romans says. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And if I was to leave you with a challenge today, which I usually like to do, I would ask you a question. What promise are you clinging to today? 
Do you know the word well enough to be able to, to land on his promise? Romans says a little later, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Have you heard his word? Have you spent enough time in his word to hear that? Are you faced with a challenge today that you need that fresh word of God, that fresh promise from him? Can we learn from their example? Maybe you find yourself with that yeah faith that looks at the circumstances and finds it hard to to believe that he's going to do anything different than what you see right there before your eyes. A 90-year-old woman, white hair, barren, never, never have had a, a child. Is anything too hard for God? You know, as kind of wind things down today, I would imagine just in, in this group here, there are some of you that may be uncertain about that faith. Maybe you have been hit pretty hard, and it's, it's really hard to put your trust in God just because of some of those circumstances. And I imagine there's more than just a few of you that if, if you were really pressed in and asked, uh, have you put your trust in God for salvation? The, one of the greatest promises of all, isn't it, for eternal life? I will give you eternal life if you will believe in my son Jesus. It's so straightforward, and yet... We can come up with all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of things that would dissuade us from putting our trust and our belief in Christ. I wouldn't want to leave today without just asking you, have you ever put your trust in the promise God gave to you for eternal life? Have you trusted that his son Jesus is who he said he is, that he died for your sins, that your righteousness, your righteousness and efforts is like filthy rads according to what the Word says. But Jesus' righteousness can be had if we will trust Him and invite Him, His life, through His Spirit to come into this, this life of ours. Have you ever done that? You know yourself. You, you know what the truth is. One of the things I find interesting And personally, I think the moment that Sarah transitioned from yeah faith to yay faith is when God said, oh yes you did, you laughed. He knew her heart, didn't he? It reminds me of the woman at the well when Jesus had the conversation in John 4 and it went back and forth and back and forth. And he says, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now isn't your husband. Friends, that's what changed her. That's what caused her to go in town and say, come see the man that told me everything I ever did. There's something liberating when you know that God knows you. He knows your heart. There's no secrets with him. You can't hide from him. You can go through the motions. You can appear all this on the outside. But God knows your heart, and he knows whether your trust has truly been put into him. And as I close in a prayer today, if you've never done that, maybe today's that day. <laughs> maybe, maybe now is the time that you're going to settle that issue and not walk out of here with uncertainty about your eternal destiny. Let me do that. 
Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Lord, what a, what a faithful God you are. And we just thank you so much for your grace and mercy that you've shown to us. So many in this room have been on that journey. And as I, I look into the faces of your people, and I know the stories, I know the pain, I know the, the heartache, the tragedies, the, the difficulties that so many have gone through, and yet they're still here, they're still faithful, they're still clinging to you and to your word and your promise. Today, Lord, I'd want to pray for maybe that person that doesn't have that certainty. You know them, Lord, and you love them. That's why they're here today, because you want to speak to their heart. And maybe you have. Maybe this is that day that something is just different. And they're ready to confess to you, Lord, that they need you. You know, if that's where you're at today, and you've never prayed, you've never trusted God, I could guide you through a prayer right now. And if it's your heart's desire, just just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, today I come to you and I want to invite you to come into my life. I open my heart to you and I'm putting my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Today I believe that you died to forgive me of my sin. And I intend to live for the rest of my life for you, in Jesus' name. And Lord, would you just give your confidence and assurance as you promised to those who may have prayed that prayer today, that simple prayer, even right now, maybe something's going on in their spirit and they're, they're just welling up with joy, maybe tears, but they know that something is, something's been conceived and it's you. And I just pray that they will grow from this point and uh, discover just what a great God that you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And uh, we just praise you for all that you've done and uh, commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we stand?